How much is the Cato Daily Podcast worth to you? We certainly enjoy putting it together for you, and we know from all the positive feedback that it's an important part of many of our listeners' days. If you value our distinctly libertarian perspective, I hope you'll consider joining our new podcast sponsor program. If you visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor, you can learn about various levels of support and the benefits you'll enjoy as a Cato sponsor. For example, if you become a patron sponsor by giving $1,000 or more, I'll personally thank you on the podcast, and you'll get the regular benefits of being a Cato patron as well. If you prefer, you can donate in a friend or family member's name as well. It's the perfect gift for someone who values liberty but has everything else. Learn more about the benefits of becoming a podcast sponsor at cato.org slash podcast sponsor. And as always, thank you for listening. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, December 20th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. The tax plan passed by the House would lower taxes on millions of Americans, but the tax plan could have been much, much better. Ike Brannon, a visiting fellow at the Cato Institute, offers his thoughts on a more ideal tax reform. So I'm going to read to you two headlines from two different pieces. Uh, one of those headlines is, Tax Breaks for the Wealthy Make True Tax Reform More Difficult. And the other headline is, Lower the Corporate Tax Rate as Much as We Can While We Can. Those are both pieces by you, Ike Brannon. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so let me explain. So uh, uh, what I'm objecting to on the personal tax code is that we – uh, we'll keep to some extent the uh, tax break for state and local uh, taxes paid by uh, by homeowners and whoever. This is a terrible plan. Uh, it's, it's a terrible vision that we already have in the tax code. We shouldn't keep it at all. And I do not like it because it is a tax break that encourages nothing at all. So libertarians, uh, conservative economists, economists who generally want to get a tax code that's efficient and fair, want uh, a tax code that collects its money by taxing revenue and gives as few tax breaks as possible. Okay, When we know we're not anywhere close to that, we give all kinds of various tax breaks. Some of those we can kind of justify. We have a tax break for charitable donations, for instance. Uh, it's not terribly effective, but the federal government wants to do what it can to encourage people to give money to charity. Uh, we have another tax break for people to save for their retirement. Again, it's somewhat effective. It's not terribly effective, but we've decided this is a priority. What exactly are we accomplishing by giving a tax break for the state and local income taxes that people paid? We accomplish absolutely nothing. And so if we feel that we have to give those people who pay that some kind of break rather than give it to them by giving them this flat tax rate cut, this, this uh, tax giveaway, we should instead give them a, a lower tax rate. Okay. So this sounds like what you're advocating is a revamp in a way of the 86 tax reform, broadly lower rates, broadly fewer deductions. No, that's exactly right. Um, but the 86 tax rate uh, uh, tax reform kept the uh, these tax breaks for uh, the mortgage interest deduction and for state and local taxes. So so here's what I here's what I object to. The people who are complaining about this the most are the wealthy. The wealthy have lots of income, so they have lots of state and local taxes. They have big houses. They pay big property taxes. And these are the people, for the most part, who think that our tax code is not progressive enough. 
And then we say, okay, hey, we're going to take a few thousand dollars from you, which is a completely unproductive tax break. These people get all outraged. They want they want progressivity, but somehow they think that that they're not they're not wealthy. These people who are making five or six or seven hundred thousand dollars. All right. So what should we have? We should. If I, mean, to, I mean, it seems like we we have this weird mishmash of a compromise tax reform that is not substantial in the way that as you or I might think about tax reform, it's not fundamentally changing the structure of taxes and things like that. We're going to have a more progressive tax system at the end of this uh, tax reform. So what what should we have? Uh, up to me, we would have a, a tax code that had uh, a personal tax code that had literally no tax breaks. There would be no uh, tax breaks for charitable donations. There would be no tax breaks for mortgage uh, interest paid, no tax breaks for... Um, for buying a fuel-efficient car or for anything else. Um, what I would uh, do is I would – the one quasi-tax break I would have is um, I would allow people to uh, save for things like retirement or college education and so on. That money would be taxed up front, but that money would not – the returns to that would not be taxed ex post, right? What, what we call today a Roth treatment of, uh, of taxes. Dra- a radically simpler tax code. Okay. And on the corporate side? Uh, on the corporate side, uh, for this context of, of my uh, my second article where I, I make the point that I believe the corporate tax rate should be of paramount importance of, uh, of any tax reform, my complaint is that uh, we're slowly uh, – we gave away – it looks like uh, we gave away one percentage point of the uh, decrease that we, uh, we negotiated in the uh, – both in the House and the Senate, to pay for various other things. So I object to that because if you look at the history of uh, tax changes in the last 30 years, since the 1986 tax reform, what you'll notice is that virtually every aspect of the tax code on the personal and corporate side has been changed radically. We've changed the top marginal tax rate on individuals uh, four different times. We've changed the tax treatment of uh, capital investment uh, more than that, five or six times, uh, the tax treatment of capital gains, dividends. We've inserted literally thousands of tax breaks to encourage people or firms to do various things. Uh, for two years, we had a, uh, a ruinous tax break that no one actually meant to have that uh, gave a tax break for paper companies that uh, uh, burned uh, off the black, uh, the black tar that they uh, – was a byproduct of their waste. Uh, and – um, the one thing that hasn't changed in the last 30 years is the corporate tax rate. It turns out that in the United States, at least, this is an incredibly durable facet of the tax code. Uh, in a paper that's uh, coming out uh, next week, the week uh, it'll be out uh, December 18th, uh, in tax notes I wrote with uh, Gordon Gray, we point out that, um, uh, that while this has happened, literally every single country in the OECD, that's the uh, organization of the 32 to 35 uh, most advanced uh, economies in the world, have lowered their uh, tax rates at least once. And for most of them, it's been uh, several times. All right. So I've I've talked about this with uh, Chris Edwards before. And it's the idea that if you go back to the 50s and you look at the fraction of taxes paid that came from lower income individuals, it was much higher than it is today. And 
that is that those those time periods are sort of celebrated by a lot of people who value the organizational man who want to give who view this as a more egalitarian time and yet those same people today might broadly oppose uh, imposing any taxes on on lower income people. I don't like our tax system. I it, I think it should be broadly replaced. But at the same time, if you're going to have a system that where everybody pays, they everyone needs to have some skin in the game. So if you look at every single tax reform we've done since 1970, uh, if it's been a significant tax change, what it's what they've done is they've taken a proportion of low income people off the tax rolls. Um, you know, Larry Lindsay, who was the head of the NEC in uh, 2001 for the Bush administration, uh, commented to a couple of my friends who were working on this that it was more of a logistics, an operations research problem. We're trying to negotiate how much to take the rate, and we're going to lower the rate this much, and how many more people do you want off the uh, the tax rolls? And he thought it was just some kind of arithmetic game. And I think that's really harmful because I, I'm with you that, that uh, most individuals should have at least some kind of nominal federal income tax obligation. Now, a lot of people object to that and they say, well, what about the uh, payroll tax? Well, hey, the payroll tax is uh, is not is totally different from the federal income tax because the payroll tax is paying for benef- future benefits that people are going to get. And for low-income people, it is a, an excellent rate of return. What are the odds of getting rid of either individual income taxes or the corporate income tax as a whole? And, 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 and would there be some significant benefits in your view to, to just – Putting the entire system in one or the other. Um, so I would, I'd be a big ad. I'm a big advocate of getting rid of the corporate income tax. I think, uh, but I think people need to understand what that actually like. Corporations, in a sense, don't pay taxes, and that's that's a that's a you know well worn chestnut for right wingers to say that. But it you know to a certain extent it's true. That's right. So. Uh, and then the, the rejoinder to that as well. There's three entities that pay those taxes. It's the uh, the dividend, the the people who own the company in lower dividends, the workers in uh, lower wages, and then the customers in higher prices. And you know, I think in the last ten or fifteen years, as economists have come up with better and better data, uh, we're starting to realize that a greater and greater proportion of this is paid by uh, by the workers. And, and, and the, the arithmetic, uh, the logic is as such. So the higher the corporate tax rate you have uh, makes uh, in investment in plant and equipment uh, less productive, uh, less profitable. So there's less investment. Less investment means workers are less productive. And ultimately, in the long run, if you have a market economy, uh, wages are determined by uh, people's uh, productivity. So um, so it, it's, it's a blithe and easy thing to say we should get rid of the corporate income tax. But then the question is, well, how would you replace the Three hundred to four hundred billion dollars that it uh, it raises for uh, U.S. tax coffers. And remember, we kind of have to do this, uh, given that it doesn't look like we have any political party that's interested in dramatically reducing our expenditures, and we're already running a deficit that's probably uh, unsustainable in the long run. So, uh, the question is: Would you uh, tweak the personal income tax to uh, to make up for that, or would you impose some kind of value added tax? So, economists in general. Uh, like a value-added tax because it seems to be more efficient. If you're taxing income, you're taxing uh, people's uh, work, and that's not a good thing. If you're taxing consumption, that seems to be much better. Uh, there's a way that uh, called an uh, X tax or progressive uh, uh, consumption tax where you could actually uh, 
exempt people's savings. And by just doing it via the income tax, you could get kind of a consumption tax. A lot of people are for that. But um, you'd have to make up that revenue some way. So um, Bob Lucas, Robert Lucas is no right-wing economist. He won the Nobel Prize in economics almost 20 years ago for his research on macroeconomics. And he made a comment in an interview about 20 years ago that uh, he's concluded that getting rid of the corporate income tax would be the biggest thing, biggest equivalent to a free lunch that's ever existed in uh, economics. And he estimated if you were to do this, the U.S. capital stock would go up by 50 to 75% and the resultant economic growth would be, in his words, truly astounding. Ike Brannon is a visiting fellow at the Cato Institute. This holiday season, consider supporting the Cato Podcast and the broad mission of the Cato Institute by visiting cato.org slash podcast sponsor and learn more about the benefits of sponsorship. That's cato.org slash podcast sponsor.